You're listening to The Scrimmage with Daniel Hargrove and Justin Domashevitz. Kelnick, the Jared Kelnick. Smell you later! <laughs> That's my co-host Daniel Hargrove. I'm Justin Damashevitz. We also have our producer Andrew Gross here with us. You're listening to the scrimmage. Thanks for joining us. We have a lot of cool stuff to talk about today. Kelnick. Kelnick. Tebow. Nah. We got some, <laughs> some high school sports coming up. We're also going to talk about the difference between a rat and a raccoon and maybe throw a possum in the mix. Hey, you know, because all of those look exactly the same, right? I, I you have also to- you should totally have a debate about which one of those things are. I've also been authorized well, to... Well, raccoons are just engaged in okay. crime. <laughs> That's true. why they're wearing a mask. Burglars. <laughs> Burglars. I've mm-hmm. also been authorized to reveal what has been a big show secret throughout the last year <gasps> or so. The identity of the Godfather no way. will be revealed at some point during this podcast. I feel like I'm the only one who doesn't let's know Let's get this it going is. with the two-minute drill. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Hello. Gotta hurry, gotta hurry, gotta hurry. Gun do right, gun do right. Three jet buckeye, don't worry. Three. The two minute drill starts now. It has been reported that the Jacksonville Jaguars will sign former Heisman winner and failed NFL quarterback Tim Tebow, Tebow? to a one year deal as a tight end. Daniel, is this real or is it a publicity stunt like the Mets? <laughs> he grinded for how long trying to play minor league baseball? I'm not sure if that's a publicity. I don't think it's a publicity stunt for him. I don't think it's a publicity stunt for him. He obviously wants to play. Him actually getting on the team, yeah, there could be some in there. My favorite conspiracy theory that I've heard so far is they have the number one overall draft pick, and they want any sort of media attention to be taken away from him. So let's throw Tebow as a tight end in there and take some pressure off. I don't know. Sounds logical. Tebow's going to play the NFL again. Tebow time. (laughs) DK Metcalf finished last in his heat, but 15th of 17 runners in a 100-meter dash at an Olympic qualifier last week. Justin did the NFL star embarrass himself with his performance. No, he didn't. He should feel really proud. I mean, he was in the mix of runners for most of the race. He just carries a little too much weight to finish off really strong. He beat two actual sprinters in this race. He did better than almost every expert predicted. And NBC Sports Olympic reporter Otto Bolden, who also is one of the greatest Olympic sprinters of all time, said, you know, if DK really had wanted to dedicate himself to sprinting, he could drop about 25 or 30 pounds and probably be really competitive. So I think he went out there and showed that football speed is not that far off from track speed. Despite a 41-point effort by Damian Lillard, the Portland Trailblazers lost to the Phoenix Suns by one point on Thursday. A controversial foul call on Norman Powell in the closing seconds gave the Suns free throws for the win. The loss put the Blazers in a very precarious spot for playoff seeding. Daniel, was this call bogus or understandable? It was so bogus. Are you kidding me? Especially the, like, I can see it live. Maybe somebody gets, like, a, a little whistle happy there, but they reviewed it. They reviewed this call! Anyway, Robert Covington should have made a freaking free throw before that play. It shouldn't have mattered. 
New York Mets infielders Francisco Lindor. Lidor? I'm pretty sure it's Lindor. And Jeff McNeil typo. <laughs> explained a recent in-game clubhouse scuffle as an argument over a rat or a raccoon. Justin, do you buy their story or is this a cover-up? If you wonder whether or not this story is true, just watch Lindor in his <laughs> press conference. He's smiling and laughing. They made this thing up knowing that no reasonable person is going to believe them, and they don't care. They think it's funny. Yeah, no, it's a cover-up, but not a very good one. No, it's terrible. So I thought this Lindor-Jeff McNeil thing was pretty funny because basically what happened was Two teammates in the tunnel. It was in the middle of the seventh inning. Like, it was during the game. And all of a sudden, you, you don't see what actually happens in the tunnel, but you see a video. Two of their teammates, like, they hear something, and they walk, and they peek around the corner, and then all of a sudden, they take off into the tunnel. Then a few moments later, a bunch more teammates go over, and everyone, like, rushes into the tunnel. Something happened. Like, there was some kind of fight, some kind of argument that people felt they needed to get in the middle of and break up. And then after the game is over, actually, Andrew, we have some sound on this. I thought it was really funny. The first person you're going to hear talking is Francisco Lidor. <laughs> Sorry, Lindor. Typo. Well, uh, I I was bad teammate there because okay. I totally read Lindor, and then I decided to bring up that you spelled his no, name. No, that's wrong. being a good teammate because that's how we learn. Not to make typos. <laughs> so the first person Public you're going to hear is Francisco Lindor explaining what happened. And then shortly after that, there's a little bit of Jeff McNeil also explaining what happened. Steve, it was, it was funny because I told him, I was like, hey, I'd never seen a New York rat. So we went down sprinting. <laughs> I want to go see a New York rat. And he got mad at me. He's like, no, it's not a rat. It's a raccoon. I'm like, hell no, man. It's a damn rat. It's a New York rat, man. I was just crazy because if we were going back and forth debating if it was a rat or a raccoon. <laughs> crazy, man. Crazy, man. Insane. It's crazy. Who, who was he? Who were you debating that with? Uh, we Jeff. We Jeff. I was like, bro, you got you to gotta check this out. I was like, this is a New York rat. He's like, no, man, I've been here longer than you. <laughs> Why did, you know, kind of half the dugout bench kind of rush down there and, and see where you and Jeff were? Because of the rat, man. They couldn't believe that we were going back and forth between the, a raccoon and, and a rat. I, I, I swear this thing was pretty big. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> to be honest, uh, I thought it was actually a possum. So, uh, <laughs> this is know, McNeil. Not, not, a, not a raccoon, a uh, possum. We're great. Uh, we work well together up the middle. Yeah, sure um, you do. And uh, you know, just very positive all the time. And you know, it's just you know, fantastic to be around. So uh, you know, and enjoy uh, you know playing up the middle with him. And uh, you know, look forward to you know keep doing it all year. Are you willing to say that this whole thing was over a rat and a raccoon, or was this I don't I don't I don't know. I'm not. I don't. Oh, know, I don't know what yeah. it was. That's okay. About, the, like said, the contribution from that third guy was totally worthless. Yeah, uh, we don't need to know what that guy. This is about. pretty funny. If there's one thing I know, like. Even from That's the manager had no no idea. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, but they didn't know. include him in the lie. <laughs> from my own experience, competitive people who are friends and compete together sometimes can fight. And then sometimes when you what? fight, then immediately after that, you cool down and everything's okay. And I I totally think it's fairly obvious and that that happened. The media wants to make a story about it. They yeah. do. <laughs> but the funny thing like Lindor's reaction, like they were like, "Hey, what would be the mo once they're friends again?" Five minutes later, yeah, they got together and they were like, "What would be like the funniest thing we could come up with to tell the media?" Oh, I know, a New York rat. Which, if you've heard anything about New York rats, it's real. They can be raccoon sized, so I, it's reasonable yeah. to believe that. But rodents of unusual like, size. Yes. I don't believe they exist. <laughs> 
But to be like, the funniest thing would be like, hey, let's say we had an argument about whether it was a rat or a raccoon, and then McNeil jumps in and he's like, oh yeah, yeah. Then when I talk to him, I can be like, oh, I actually thought it was a possum. <laughs> then they had another teammate that was like, oh, I'll say it was a, a kangaroo, and they're like, no, shut up, you're not part of this. Get out of here, Jeff. Get out of here. Oh wait, so, the one guy's name was Jeff. Get yeah. out of here, Steve. Yeah, Steve. Anyway, Sorry. I thought this was pretty funny. <laughs> what, what, did you, what did you make of this whole situation? Oh, you can see on the video the players rushing down. There's definitely not the reaction of somebody going, Hey, guys, look, there's a rat down here. <laughs> like, that would be like, all right, we'll go down and check it out. It's Whatever. crazy, man. These guys are, like, booking down the hall because somebody's about to get punched in the face is the reaction they have. What if the reason they were fighting because they were fighting over whether it was a rat or a raccoon. Well, that's what they said. But that's... what if what if they were ready to punch each other over that? <laughs> that was their story. Jeff <laughs> McNeil's that... like, I'm going to throw down because that's a raccoon, dang it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. That seems yeah, reasonable. And then why did your teammates run down there? Because oh, there was because a big fight. They couldn't believe that we were fighting over, or we were arguing over what's a rat or a raccoon. <laughs> so <Yeah>. stupid. <laughs> Anyway, I thought this was really funny, and I felt like we needed to share that with our listeners yes. just in case they missed that story. Absolutely. So it's crazy, man. I want to talk about. <laughs> uh, I want to go back to the DK Metcalf sprinting yeah. thing okay. real quick because I, this uh, this was so impressive to me because it actually didn't go how I thought it would. Mm -hmm. I didn't really take into account just his weight being such a hindrance for mm -hmm. him. I thought his start was going to be the big problem. But his start was great. Right, He was like right with those guys on the start. I thought for sure that he would need a longer race to be able to compete better. Not a shorter one, which is what it turned out to be. So mm -hmm. absolutely, if he wanted to be a sprinter, sprinter and lose a bunch of weight, he could totally do that. It's just insane to me. Yeah, so listening to people who actually know what they're talking about on this was really valuable. Because I leading up to it, it was a lot of just random sports journalists saying, yeah. oh, this, oh, that. And everything was like, oh, he's going to find out what the difference is between track speed and football speed. <laughs> oh, track I speed, you say? I don't know why I went old-time sports <laughs> broadcaster then, but I did. The football, the gridiron. But once it happened, <laughs> and I heard two separate instances where there's like an actual Olympic sprinting journalist like someone that's their job and one of them was Otto Bolden and for I didn't know who Otto Bolden was before this but he has like the 13th fastest 100 time in history like a sub 10 100 time like a 969 or something goofy like that it's pretty good it's yeah. not a 969 that was maybe that was the world record yeah that's that's like Usain Bolt territory but there's only a handful of people who have run a sub 10 okay. and he's one of them okay. and his time was 13th best ever i gotcha. think is what it was okay. but anyway so he was a legit sprinter and now his job is to cover olympic sprinting and he said actually you know mechanically he looked pretty good like he looked like he'd been coached well he got a good start off the blocks but you could tell towards the end of the race that while those other guys are not carrying as much weight as he is, DK is about 235. Bolden was saying, like, if he were to, I mean, he won't because he's a football player, but yeah. if he decided, hey, I want to be a sprinter, he could drop 25 or 30 pounds and, like, really make a go of it and be competitive, a competitive Olympic sprinter. So That's to crazy. me, that was really cool to hear someone who actually has the knowledge say, no, I mean, his speed is for real. If he decided to dedicate him to that, he could do it. That's insane. It's yeah. just crazy. Yeah. And everybody, uh, the other thing that bothers me about this is everybody's like, oh, DK finished last. And I'm like, he well, didn't finish in, last. In his heat, yeah. but he beat two Olympic sprinters. Yeah. I only well, pay attention to football and I don't understand what heats mean. <laughs> to, 
two two sprinters who were attempting to qualify for the Olympics. Yeah, I don't know what the sure. level of these guys, but but he beat two people whose main life goal is to be an Olympic sprinter. Exactly. Oh, how sad is that? Yeah, it's pretty sad. Oh. but yeah, no, I mean, I, he got beat by DK Metcalf. It's okay. Yeah. I, I thought it was hilarious though when I'm watching the video. I watched it so many times, but it's so funny because. You can tell which one DK is before they tell you. Like he is just <laughs> like so massive. Oh, there's a football player out there. And then you see him running, and you're like, "Oh yeah, all these other guys look like Buda Baker." Yeah. yeah. And that's that was the visual I kept getting was just DK monstering down the field like I'm gonna get you. <laughs> well, he outweighed the guy who won the race by like 75 pounds or something. Like he's way, way, way that's bigger. Insane. That guy looks like what DK ate for breakfast. <laughs> You know, I just, just, uh, this just occurred to me, but the amount of weight that he's carrying on his body, like as like body weight, Mm -hmm. uh, that, that probably, (laughs) that probably significantly decreases the impact of the pads. Cause if somebody weighs a hundred pounds less and they're faster and they're wearing the the pads are, yeah, the pads are going to be a larger portion of their weight and they're shaking, you know, like it's not, it's not nearly, doesn't carry nearly as well. I, that just occurred to me. It makes sense. I, it was the reason we started laughing is because you were like doing like yeah. a weird motion around your chest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know TK's got really big pecs. He's got large. He likes tracks. to show them off too. He's got large tracks of land. <laughs> Massive tracks. Of land. And in addition to that, you also said, the weight he's carrying on his body as body weight while yeah. you were making that motion. Yeah. So, yeah, it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> it looked, yeah it weird. We're not trying to make fun of you. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate <laughs> we it. We do everything with love. Um, I think right. also if anybody wanted context on the precarious position that the Blazers are now in. Oh, my goodness. Basically what happens today, out. Sunday, will <laughs> determine whether or not they're in the play-in because they, they could have locked it up with that win. And the Blazers have a brutal schedule right down to the end. They're playing three of the top four teams yeah. in the West in their last three games because they played the Jazz and then the Suns and now they're playing the Nuggets. Ugh. But the Nuggets are also playing for something because I guess they have a chance to get up into the three spot. So final game of the year, the Blazers have to play the Nuggets, who they could definitely beat, but that's a tough game. And the Lakers are playing the Pelicans, who are, I believe, out of the playoff picture completely now. Yeah. So the Lakers have a much easier game, and if the Lakers win and the Blazers lose, then the Lakers will go six and the Blazers will end up having to host that Ugh. play-in game even though they've been playing so well lately for the most part. So this Suns loss and that stupid, stupid call really cost them big time. Huge. Yeah. It's massive. And in other sports entertainment news, what is uh, Undertaker doing this weekend? <laughs> what is Undertaker doing this I weekend? I don't know. He's probably eating a burger somewhere. Just as riveting. Andrew's just saying it's all scripted, and they can't have the Lakers be in the play-in game because it might ruin their script. Exactly. Wouldn't you think they would want more games for the Lakers? No, they wouldn't because they might lose. But they want that LeBron James versus Steph Curry game. They might want that, but they could also be just as happy happy with Logo Lillard and Steph Curry. I I cannot talk today. (laughs) I need to do some of those vocal warm-ups. Walrus, the bulbous walrus. <laughs> Owl, the fowl, the comatose cock swain. I feel like I still am you not that, getting those right. that one. Did I get that one yeah. right? Okay. <laughs> anyway. A tongue twister. A tongue twister. Logo Lillard and Steph Curry, they would still be ogling over that matchup because it's the two guys who know how to shoot from deep. 
That's true. I mean, that's a good matchup, too. Yeah. I just... I resist storylines that make it seem like the NBA is fixed, I guess. <laughs> but you can find those storylines across all sports except for baseball, really. Like, there's the same thing that Andrew was making these comments during football season that Tom Brady was selected by the NFL to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, if you look hard enough, you can find Obviously. That stuff. But don't you think the NBA would have started fixing the Laker games earlier so that they wouldn't be in this position? I think that... It's obviously they can't just dictate what yeah. happens. And so sometimes it takes a lot more subtle nudging via the refs. Yeah, especially when that's my my thought. LeBron and Anthony Davis keep getting hurt. It makes <laughs> it a lot help. it makes it a lot harder for the NBA to make sure this happens. They're like, gosh dang it, guys. Stay healthy. Also looking at the Western Conference right now, let's say that you're one of the top two teams. You've been one of the top two teams all year, the Suns and the Jazz. And your reward for putting everything you had on the line, winning every possible game, being one of the best teams in a tougher conference was you have to play the Lakers with LeBron James and Anthony Davis (laughs) or the Blazers fully healthy in the playoffs in the first round. I can't imagine that's a great... Like, those teams are probably looking at this going, holy crap, can we just play in the Eastern Conference playoffs like just this year? Exactly. Seriously. I mean, the West, the people at the top of the West are usually saying, can we play in the Eastern good Conference? Point. Yeah. Because the, they're, they're, I can't talk. The East is good at the top. <laughs> like, gosh. The, the top of the Eastern Conference is legitimately good, but you get past like the three seed, there's a little bit of mediocrity and then some real bad at the bottom. Yes. So if you're an Eastern Conference top seed, you actually get to play a bad team. Yes. If you're a Western Conference top seed, you're still playing a really good team in the first round. Absolutely true. All right, let's move on to. Justin's favorite part of the show. Serving questions up on a silver platter where the points are made up and the rules don't matter. Time for Stump Daniel. Okay. (laughs) We are going to play Soft Toss today. Soft Toss. The show that you guys did without me, you went through a bunch of terrible ideas about how to fix the major sports. They were great ideas. I think Um, we fixed the major sports. So what we're going to do here is there's going to be four categories. So we're going to go sport by sport. Okay. And I'm going to have you identify... One really big issue in each sport. All right. And give me a little blurb about one thing that you would do to fix it. Okay? So okay. let's start. Well, what sport do you want to start with? Uh, let's start with the baseball. Okay, let's start with football. Dude. All right. <laughs> what is football's biggest issue? <laughs> How would you fix it? Football's biggest issue is the fact that a pass interference is always a spot foul because... Teams just get bailed out by throwing these bombs down the field, and then this ticky-tack pass interference puts the ball 50 yards down the field. It's so stupid. All you need is an incidental or a... Yeah, you need two different types of pass interference. An incidental and then another one that would be a spot foul. The incidental would be like a 5-10 yard or 10-yard penalty. It would be fine. You're insane. This is a huge problem that happens all the time. You're absolutely ridiculous. Next sport, your please. Idea, your idea is to add more gray area into a sport where rules are full of gray areas. Okay, moving on to the next Serving sport. Serving question. Oops, sorry. <laughs> no, my, my fix is to add a call because officials make calls all the time. Was that a hold or was that a pass interference? They already differentiate between that. So guess what? This would be another differentiation. Was that guy tackled or was he just kind of blocked, bumped into while they were going for the ball? It's not that hard, Justin. Okay. 
What sport do you want to do next? I don't care. You're going to throw one out anyway. Let's do basketball. Daniel, yes. what's the single biggest problem in basketball, and how would you fix it? The single biggest problem in basketball is defenses are hampered way too much. And because of that, people get to score as many points as they want because you can't play physical defense. And not only that, you can't even play a true zone defense. So you can't have different types of styles of teams really be able to play what would be most effective for them like a true zone. So the fix would be, let them play a true zone, and also, stop calling ticky-tack garbage calls at the end of the game on Devin Booker so the Blazers lose! Uh, we are 100% in alignment on that one. All right, but Daniel, what's the biggest problem in baseball? And give me a way that you'll fix it. The biggest problem in baseball is the fact that balls are not put in play. The three true outcomes are making the sport boring. While it is the best way to win, the numbers have proven that walk, home run, or strikeout is boring to watch. I have come over to Andrew's side on this argument. They need to move the mound back. What that will do is that will decrease the velocity the ball is getting to the plate, making exit velocities less, so that will help with home runs, which I wasn't sure about before. Also, it will give the batters more time to react so that they can actually be hitting base hits more consistently. Because right now, it's so freaking hard to hit that they're just swinging out of their butt and hoping that when they do hit it, it goes out and it's boring baseball. Move the, move the mound back a couple of feet. I love it. That sounds great. Whew. Okay, so I'm going to give you three. So so we talk about these different sports and like what their major crisis is. And I don't know if that's because we live in a really dramatic society. So we need to have something that's terribly flawed about yeah. every great thing. Yeah. In the NBA, the biggest problem is that, oh, people shoot too many three-pointers and offense is too easy and defense is too hard. Yeah. In the NFL... It's kind of the same thing, like, everybody passes, nobody runs, defense is too hard, right? In baseball, you have the three true outcomes. So which of those three sports has the biggest problem right now? I think it's baseball. I think baseball has the biggest problem right now because it's changing how fun it is to watch a baseball game. If you're not an absolute baseball purist, you're going to get bored watching a baseball game because things are slow. Not much is happening. The exciting plays of people stealing bases or really cool defensive plays aren't happening happening near as much because there's not the opportunity for the ball to be in play to have those things happening. I mean, you get the excitement of a home run, but that's like um, two seconds of excitement, and then you have to wait for 30 seconds for the guy to run around the plate, and then you're just waiting for the whole thing to start over again. Baseball's wow. got the biggest problem. Wow. Don't call it a comeback. <laughs> Daniel, after one of the worst starts I've ever seen, <laughs> you actually ended up nine points in the positive. Yes! You didn't get a single negative mark in the last three topics. What's, what's your fix for football? Um, because in my mind, if you want to slow Justin's down all the constant passing, yeah. you have to make the reward for chucking it deep. He a probably wants to see more offense. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably I, Justin's fix for football. See, I think I think it's hard for me to pick what a solution is for football because I think my even my one big problems are more broad. Like you picked you went really specific, which mm -hmm. is great. Like you went specifically, hey, the way we do pass interference is wrong. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like it's just more offense is way too easy. Like there needs to be more contact allowed that's not 
injury creating contact. And I feel almost the exact same way in basketball. Like I don't want them to allow more and more stuff that's going to injure people, but like letting the corners be more physical with the receivers off the line or, you know, allowing more things that will make it I don't more know, Justin, to pass. it sounds like you're adding some gray area there for the <laughs> officials to deal with. I was, yeah, I was. <laughs> um, no, I, I get that, and I would be totally with that, because I am, I watch even high school games now, and I'm like, why are the corners playing like that? And somebody told me, oh, you're not allowed to contact the receiver at all, even in five yards or something like that. And it's just bizarre to me how football is turning into this, where they're trying to make the game safer and i get that and i'm totally with you as exactly what you're saying but some of the contact they're taking out of it has nothing to do with safety right like bumping and grabbing as you're playing corner running down the field with the receiver who all look seemingly like dk metcalf now how are you supposed to cover that (laughs) yeah and then you get a pass interference 30 yards downfield and they get 30 yards out of it my other solution if you don't like the gray area is make it like college football where it's a 15 yard penalty well, it's probably at least a little bit unfair because there's no way to completely eliminate the gray area because the, I just, I think, I feel like when you it's introduce a little bit unfair, when, when you, well, it's stump Daniel, it's always fair. <laughs> and this was the first time that stump Daniel has ever been a little bit unfair, but adding different levels of fouls, like it just, I feel like the umpires or the referees already have enough. Like they can't even keep up with what they're supposed to be doing. I, I can see that. So if you add different levels of it, it might make it additionally complicated. But I do. I wish that they would just be like, we're gonna let some of these PIs go. Like there's so many pass interference calls that we see called that what the defender does really didn't have any impact on whether or not the receiver could have caught the ball. Mm-hmm. Like if there's contact, even if it's. Number one, incidental, or number two, you had some contact, but the receiver still, it didn't really affect his body motions, and he still could have gone to make the play. We see those calls all the time. I would like to see them not call those. Yeah. I would like pass interference to be more blatant for it to be called. Yeah. I'm absolutely with you. And when I'm talking about, like, in a basketball game, you know, when you see someone on a breakaway Mm -hmm. and he's obviously fouled when he had, what's, what's it called? Clear path. Clear path. Yeah. That would be kind of the situation I'm talking about. Right. That's when you give, okay, this needs to be a massive penalty because yeah. you got burned, and instead of letting him catch it, you tackled the guy. Right, yeah. Like, which, honestly, as a high schooler or a college coach, I would teach all of my corners that because it's not a spot foul. It's a 15-yard penalty. So if you're burned, tackle the guy. Yeah. And even if it is a spot foul, that's probably a better yeah. play than letting him catch a touchdown. That's, that's true. still true. Like, yeah. I don't. I think it's pretty much undisputable that baseball has the biggest crisis because mm-hmm. it's already a sport that's labeled as boring, and now the parts of the game that are fun to watch are kind of being taken out. And I think for some reason the owners and the league feel like, oh, everybody wants to see home runs, and that that's just the way that the game has trended. That there's very few base hits. There's no motion on the bases. There's no balls in play. Uh, I mean. They took a game that could have already been considered boring and made it more boringer. So, yeah. and I think the the reason why they think home runs are exciting is because that really was what kind of brought yeah. back the game in the nineties. Home right? runs are exciting when they're but, a novelty, and exactly. And yeah. home runs are exciting when not every player yeah. is trying to be the same player. Yeah, literally every player is trying to hit home runs or walk. There's no variety, and it's. Right. Can you annoying. imagine if there were like two or three players pushing for the all-time stolen bases record? Oh yes, 
I'll bet that you be that amazing. would. I'll bet you that would feed a lot of interest too. You're, you're absolutely right, but, come back. but sadly <laughs> that will never happen again yeah. because pitchers don't allow people to run the way that they were when Ricky Henderson was playing. Right. Like they, when Ricky Henderson was playing, yes, he was stupid fast and really good. That also added into it, but you still had at least half the pitchers, if not more taking a big leg kick every time they're going to the plate mm-hmm. and they're like, Oh wait, we can't do this anymore. He's on second by the time we throw the ball. <laughs> so the game has changed. I think too much for anybody to attack Ricky Henderson's, level but that would be another thing about moving the mound back the ball would take longer to get to home plate yeah it would really move the mound back moving the mound back even a few inches even six inches or whatever (laughs) would be it would be such a huge impact on the pitchers because i was listening to uh, espn daily with pablo torre and he had jeff passon on uh, last week and they were talking about how the improvements and advances in science have affected pitching so much because yeah. they have literally have computer programs that breaks everything down to the nanosecond and exactly what you need to do to get more spin, more torque, to get these this wicked movement on your pitches. Like It's so scientific that hitters have not been able to catch up. So hitters think it's impossible for us to string base hits because we can't hit these guys. Our only hope is to swing out of our butts yep. every single time we th- that we have an opportunity. So I think I like the way that you guys are attacking this because the way to fix it is not to tell the hitters, hey, you need to change your mindset. It's probably not even the shift, which I have suggested in the past as a way to help fix it. That's what I it's, thought too. It's yeah. that the pitchers are too good yeah. for these guys to play baseball the way that they used to. Mm-hmm. So moving the mound back, that might be the way to go. And they have used pitchers being too good in the past for a lot of rule changes. Right. Well, they moved the, the mound back once before. They moved the mound back. I think that was like in the 1900s was, or something like that. A long time ago. But yeah, they but also was really old. But they like, also lowered the mound. Right. After the year of the pitcher, when Bob Gibson <laughs> had like a sub one ERA for an entire year. Yeah. They were like, yeah, that's not, <laughs> you, yeah, that's not okay. It's, I also I thought it was really interesting though the way that pitching is now like the, how they use pitching changes constantly and to keep everybody's pitch counts down a lot of that has to do with the fact that guys are throwing so much harder and their stuff is so nasty they have so much more torque on their arms so modern pitchers like physically can't handle as much as older pitchers could have because they're throwing differently yeah and an interview with Jerry Depoto talking about the Mariners because they went to this six-man rotation this year. Mm-hmm. And part of the idea of that was, according to Jerry Depoto, maybe we're going to try to buck the trend. We're going to say, hey, instead of pitching every five games, you pitch every six games, maybe you can pitch a little longer. So that's another way that he's, you know, teams might be trying to think a different way um, to put a little relief on their bullpen or not have to worry about having so many bullpen arms, but, you know, get your starts a little deeper into the games. It makes sense, and I like that he's trying to be innovative because right. if you can buck the trend and be fortunate enough to find that way that's actually successful, that puts you ahead of the curve and something that you can get success even if maybe you don't have a loaded roster like the Dodgers do. Well, speaking of Jerry Depoto, Mariners GM, and speaking of oh, the Mariners... I just wanted to point out that the actual reason that Daniel is now on board with moving the <laughs> mound back is because he saw a video that pointed out that the mound is in front of the middle of yeah, the it's true. infield. <laughs> so it's, it's not quite properly symmetrical. Oh, so and, we want to symmetrize and, it. And now Daniel is totally on board with moving it back. 
That was like the cherry on top. It was. The pro- Daniel the, loves symmetry. Yes. The problem is, is I don't think they should quite move it back to make it symmetrical because that'd be a little too far. I think I one say to two air, feet. air on the side of giving more power to the batters personally and i love that video that i watched too because they kept saying they think the problem is the game's too long and they've put in all these different things to try and shorten the game but i agree with the guy who made the video the problem isn't that the game's too long it's that it's boring yeah there's no action in the game yeah Yeah. like i don't know about you but if there's an awesome nfl game i'll watch it for four hours yeah and, and that's we've talked about that before the most exciting baseball games are the ones that are 20 innings exactly. and you're like oh my gosh how can they go another inning exactly in every pitch you're holding their breath yeah but they're like nope we don't like extra innings let's put a guy on second <laughs> it's like no i want to see the 20 inning game where they're putting in the starter from two nights ago and then the shortstop and then the center fielder and those are the guys pitching yes. because then it's chaos ball at its best you're like, I don't know. This guy pitched in high school. Throw him out there. Well, guys, Can you uh, throw strikes? We <laughs> took, That was kind of Stump Daniel. I mean, it was we, a long we time took, ago. Yeah. but <laughs> We took way too long to get to the moment we've all been waiting for. Well, that was also brought to you by the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz. Oh, yeah. Did I not say that? I don't, I don't remember. No, it, it was so long ago. It was a long time ago. Yeah. But now this is the moment you've been waiting for. Well, the moment we've all been waiting really? for <laughs> is... Jared Kelenic has finally been called up yes! by the Mariners. We've been clamoring for this. And his first hit as a major league player was a dinger. Dinger. It was a tater. Homer. Yeah, it was awesome. What are more words for? Uh, tater, Homer, dinger. Those are the ones I already said. Uh, <laughs> dong. <laughs> um. Sorry to put you on the spot. That was bad, that was bad um. form by me. I apologize. But Daniel. Mash. You are. Um. A bomb. Okay. You're our current inside Mariners oh, expert. Since Braden's not here. So I, you <laughs> Braden more on the Mariners than I am? What? Well, he went to spring training. So oh, you're right. Um, I need to know. But he wasn't at Mariners spring training. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm feeling you know what's the worst part? Myself. The worst part is I knew that was gonna hurt your feelings and I said it anyway. <laughs> That was terrible. That was a terrible move by me. I was expecting like Sean or somebody like that, and you're like Braden. I'm like, oh. Anyway, uh, I thought you if just I want said, him to do the show instead of me, is that what you want? No, Daniel. No, Daniel. No. <laughs> we need you to tell us what you think about Jared Kalanick. Oh man, I think that he is going to be awesome. I know that he has kind of struggled besides that one game, but I mean he's. Played four games. This yeah. he's in he's in his fourth game right now, and I'm pulling up the stats. And he's batting 188 currently. Yeah, yeah, because he's 0 for three today. So <laughs> what's his OPS? His OPS is 688. His o, on base percentage is also 188 because he hasn't walked yet, and he's slugging 500. So the that would be the third best slugging percentage in the Mariners lineup today. Oh, you're right. That's only cool. only Hanniger and D. Walton are better. Donovan Walton, who's also playing in like his third, second or third game, something like that this year. Thanks for help with but, the first name. Yeah. I just had the initial well, on here also, I have no idea who he is. Donovan, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Jared Kelnick, he's now 3 for 16, I believe. And all three of those came in one game. He had an awesome home run and then two hustle doubles, which mm-hmm. I love. That's one of my favorite things about how he plays is – 
he will always be trying to take the extra base. And I just love that aggression and exciting plays like we just mentioned. Yeah. It's exciting when somebody's aggressive on the base path. He loves to steal as well. And he plays really good defense. So I know that it's not starting out how we all hoped. I mean, besides that, his first hit was a home run, and then he had two more doubles in that game. But, I mean, it's going to take a little bit of time because, as we've just talked about, pitchers right now are just crazy good. So he'll have some ups and downs getting started, but I think he – I personally think he'll have a shot at winning the Rookie of the Year this year. Because I think I think he's gonna have a good year. I know that it's kind of like a little bit of a slow start here, but I think he's just gonna get on a run where he figures things out and just goes on an absolute tear and is gonna end up in that Kyle Lewis realm that he was last year. Well, it would be completely moronic for us to overreact to how he plays in his first four games, like whether it was positive or negative. For us to take anything out of the first four games and go, oh, that's who this guy is, yeah. would not be smart. So, you know, we're going to take the wait-and-see approach. I watched several I watched several videos of his at-bats, and he seems, like, really comfortable and confident. You know, it doesn't – even when he's getting out, it doesn't seem like he's – shaky or off balance or anything like he he looks primed and ready for the majors so i don't feel bad about it i think it was good you always want to like you want him to get over the hump like you want you gotta let that first hit happen and it happened in a second game so he'll be fine exactly and i was it was funny because i was broadcasting a game with Braden. by the way we were broadcasting a basketball game the aberdeen hoquiam game and we were so excited about Jared Kelnick and Logan Gilbert Gilbert getting called up that we spent like half of the pregame talking about it. And then we were also like half watching the stream of the game for when <laughs> Kelnick's first at bat was going to be like, oh, Kelnick's up. And I'm trying to call play-by-play of the Aberdeen game <laughs> while also watching Kelnick hit. So I hope the Aberdeen fans are not listening to I this part of the podcast. I thought first at bat... When he swung, I thought it was gone. Like you're not the only one. A lot of people it, have. Yeah, it, you just shrugged off my mention of the Aberdeen fans. Yeah. Well, it was the Hoquiam <laughs> fans was like, too. Oh no, I'm sorry. You're right. I, but Aberdeen won the game. So yeah, I was like, true. I was saying, you know, you're, you're trying Go to give cats. the kids the spotlight or whatever. And I said, I hope the Aberdeen fans are listening. And Daniel twisted the faces like. Meh, meh, meh. I still call it a good game. I mean, you know what? When you when you've been doing it as long as I have, oh, Justin, that's that Jared Kellenick confidence. <laughs> Next thing that comes out of your mouth is going to be smell you later. So how about smell you later. Logan Gilbert? Because that was the other big debut on the same night, which was kind of crazy yeah. to have two. That was so crazy. Were they both top five prospects? Top ten? I think Kelnick's probably, or Gilbert's probably more in the top 15. Okay. But they're both really high prospects. Yes. Debuting on the exact same night for the same team was pretty i thought that was so cool cool. and hearing both of them talk about it afterwards how they well first of all they're also going to be roommates now apparently they're pretty close friends and hearing them talk about it afterwards was pretty cool that they got to go through that together and kind of be there for each other through it i i thought that was really cool and i can't remember i can't remember another time that such highly touted prospects have started on the same night together i mean for somebody to have as much hype as Kelnick, you have to go back to Felix. And then for somebody to have as much hype as Felix, you have to go back to Ichiro, probably. And then before Ichiro, it's A-Rod and, and Junior. So, I mean, the the type of prospects that Kelnick is in the realm of, mm-hmm. 
there's not many of them. And then to also have a guy who you're hoping will be, I don't know, I don't think anybody's thinking he'll be Felix Hernandez, but I think they're thinking that he could be a top one or two starter for your team. And it's just crazy to think of that they both started at the same night. I think it's been fun. You know, it's always fun when local sports teams get onto the national headlines, which doesn't happen super often. You know, Dame hits them pretty regularly. Russ hits them pretty regularly. We've got a massive star in DK Metcalf now. But the Mariners are pretty below the radar on the national stage. (laughs) But Kellenick's home run, that was on Around the Horn. They talked about that on Pardon the Interruption. And the fun thing about that storyline is... What was their take about it? Well, the fun thing about it is they're like, oh, this is... The the angle is... (laughs) Hey, hey everyone, look how bad Jerry DePoto fleeced the Mets. Yes! This was a, a, hey, Jared Kellenick, this this high highly highly touted rookie or this highly touted rookie comes up and he and he hits this home run now let's look back on this trade that brought oh Kellenick gosh. to the Mariners look at the Mets and how dumb they are <laughs> it's always fun they can't even tell the difference between a raccoon and a rat <laughs> and a possum <laughs> like of course that's what the Oh my gosh, that makes me so angry. <laughs> but no, it's a double whammy because you get a Jared Kellenick mention as a top prospect and you get New York sports slander. It's the best. Yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Unless LeBron goes to New York. Oh. Then I'll root for them. <laughs> get out of here. Anyway, do you have anything else on the Mariners? Um, I don't, except for the fact that I'm going to bring up a stream because Kalnick's about to come up. Okay, so well then, while you're doing that, I'm going to throw us to a break. But stick with us because we still have local sports roundup to do. Um, I'm going to debut a segment which is going to be called Justin's Power Ranking of the Week. You're going to find out what power ranking I'm going to do on the other side of this. And also, I'd like to remind you, at some point in the show, we're going to reveal the identity of the Godfather. (laughs) So stick with us after this commercial break. Do you have a legal situation and need someone on your side? Let the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz be your advocate. If you've been the victim of medical malpractice, suffered a personal injury, or need representation with real estate law, small business law, or estate planning, let Jeff Domashevitz put his 29 years of experience to work for you. Call Jeff Domashevitz today at 360-612-3991 or visit domashevitzlaw.com. That's D-A-M-A-S-I-E-W-I-C-Z-L-A-W.com. Welcome back to the scrimmage. I'm Justin Damashevitz. Daniel is here with me watching a Mariner stream. We also have our producer, Andrew Gross, here with us. Our podcast is brought to you by the law office of Jeffrey A. Damashevitz and Ole Penn Real Estate. Coming up pretty soon here. We're going to do mailbag at the end of the show. We're going to do local sports in a minute, but we're debuting a new segment. That's going to be probably a weekly segment unless I get lazy and decide not to do it. And we're going to call it Justin's Power Rankings of the Week. You know, every once in a while... Oh, oh you fanfare every once in a while you get a power ranking from daniel you get a power ranking from andrew but it's still going to keep my name on it so sometimes it'll be andrew's justin's power ranking of the week or whatever. oh this is going to be good yeah so this week and what we're <laughs> going to do with power ranking with, with that on the way. sorry i feel I like, like with that, that fanfare we you i like it <laughs> i like it i feel very important i was i felt like one of those old-timey people announcing somebody coming into a like fancy victorian party or yeah something. i have really created Herald? a situation for myself to feel important sure. so the Herald. way we're going to do the audio is i'm going to give you so i've got five 
my power ranking is the five best breakfast cereals. I'm going to do them in backwards order. I'm going to say number five. Andrew's going to play the fanfare sound, oh, and then I'm going to give you the, the the power ranking of the breakfast cereals, and then you guys are going to react to how great my power ranking is, okay? Okay. The Mariners just hit into a double play, so Kelnick's oh. not even going to come up. Come on. Come on. Come on. Oh, well, at least he's didn't get, like, out on the base or something. You know? No. He's... At least we can still use him. <laughs> For what? For, For homers. Okay. Oh, <laughs> You guys are interrupting my self-important segment. I know. I'm sorry. It's on purpose. We're derailing it. This is the fifth best breakfast cereal, number five. Number five. Cheerios. What? Regular Regular Cheerios. Regular Cheerios? Number five. Defend yourself, sir. I (laughs) love Cheerios. They're very good. Hey, this is just plain. You eat them I this is just a power ranking. This is just, they're really yeah. good. They're, they're, they did well last week, so he feels good about them. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so basically, no, I mean, I eat them in a bowl with some kind of alternative milk, and then I put it in my mouth, and I'm like, mmm, plain. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You don't, you don't put sugar on them or honey or anything? No, 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 no. Okay. No, wow. no, 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 Okay. Okay. Number four. Number four. What, bro? Frosted mini wheat. Oh yeah, I can get behind yeah, those. Yeah, frosted mini wheats. They're like they've got a good texture to them, especially when they've been in the milk for like a minute, and they've got like just enough sugar where it's a little bit sweet, but it's not overpowering. Do you mix them with the like full size shredded wheat? Because I really like like a couple full size full full size <laughs> shredded wheat, and then <laughs> fill the rest of the rest of the bowl up with the frosted mini. I have never wheats. done that, but that sounds awesome. It yeah. does. Yeah. The only problem and the reason why I'm assuming you mentioned leaving them in the milk for yeah. about a minute is because if you eat them just straight real quick, they will shred up the top of your roof. The top of your roof or the roof of your mouth? The roof of your mouth. Top of the mouth. Yeah. Oh, the the ceiling your, is the roof. The top of your roof. There is no ceiling. Okay, so you guys like that one. Yes. Okay, number three. Number three. Honey Nut Cheerios. Wow, two Cheerios in this yeah, list. Yeah, huh? I like Honey Nut Cheerios. Actually, that's the one that when we go to Costco, I usually buy two big boxes of Honey Nut Cheerios because all my kids like it too. That's a <laughs> major winner in our house. Okay. In my power rankings, I think you should have moved those to number five and just booted the regular ones. I like but... cheer. You don't like regular Cheerios? No. Mm, plain. <laughs> you know, regular Cheerio breath. Might be the worst smelling kind of breath there is. That oh, just I've had way it's worse bad. kinds of smelling breath than that. Mm, regular Cheerio breath is up there. <laughs> Number two. I don't want to know. Number two. Numero dos. Drum roll so long. <laughs> life. Ooh, life's solid. I like life. I really like life cereal. That's another one of those ones like there's a little bit of sweetness, but it doesn't overpower you. It's generally just a pretty good mix of uh like just a tad sweet but it's really good especially when you get it in the milk yeah i love life cereal okay yeah number one is gonna be the that's gonna be it's gonna blow you guys away okay it's the best kind of cereal if you're gonna say if you say grape nuts i might punch you in the throat (laughs) what's the deal with grape nuts no grapes no nuts (laughs) number one number one numero uno 
multi-grain Cheerios. Oh my gosh. So delicious. Wait, Dude. Nope. <laughs> multi-grain Cheerios. You have I three Cheerios. Multi-grain Cheerios. Oh my gosh. And they're heart healthy. That's so. like... You can't even say I know because it with says that. it on the box. It's like, nah, grainy. I, think <laughs> I don't think you've eaten multigrain Cheerios. You're right, I haven't. Yeah, but they're what good. Are you talking? No. Did, okay, first of all, your whole list, yeah. while I like a couple of them, just shows how old you are. <laughs> <laughs> like, and it shows how old I am that I agreed with a couple of them. Yeah. Because you don't have anything that's like super awesome, delicious in like there. What? It's all like Apple Jacks or. Not too sweet. Exactly. Or Cinnamon, co- cinnamon Toast Crunch. Oh, way too sweet. <laughs> so, what, what would your number one be then? Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Okay. Too, oh, too sweet. My, so good. My number one would be the Honey Cluster Raisin Bran. Oh, okay. Like honey nut cluster raisin bran. That sounds good. It's really I stopped good. being able to handle cereals as sweet as uh, what was the one? Was Cinnamon the one? toast. Cinnamon crunch. toast crunch. In my like early twenties. After that, it was like I need boring cereals. I need only boring cereals. I would prefer frosted mini wheats though. Yeah, are really good. Okay, so I had a winner. Yeah, yeah. you definitely had a winner. There. I did have okay. three Cheerios in my. The rest yeah, of it. I was don't like the variety. Awful. Like you should have just grabbed one Cheerios or said Cheerios and like like you took up too many spots with so Cheerios. I could have let Cheerios be number one and just let it be all encompassing. Yes. When we would have known you were wrong. But if I were going to the store <laughs> and I could buy any five boxes of cereal that I wanted and they had to be different, I'd get three different kinds of Cheerios. You're weird. That is awful. That's that's distressing. Were Let's you expecting on. this much pushback on your Cheerios well, take? I felt pretty strongly that you would make a comment like, hey, you're old. <laughs> I, I knew that that was going to happen. I guess I felt like Cheerios were more widely loved. Am I wrong? Are Cheerios, Cheerios not I widely feel, loved? I feel like Cheerios are, but I, I also feel like but, Honey Nut Cheerios are. I didn't know also, about... Also, aren't know. Like, Fruit Loops the best kind of Cheerios? Ooh. Fruit Loops are not Cheerios, aren't and they're way too sweet. <laughs> they're not Cheerios. Aren't Apple what Jacks also circles? Yeah. You know You're what right. I really liked when I was a kid on the the circle. I don't. I wouldn't be able to handle them now. But the Oreo O's. Oh god. When I was a kid, I really liked those. <laughs> the chocolate frosted sugar bombs. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. From Calvin and Hobbes lore. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, okay. That's okay. my power ranking of the week. We're gonna bring you a power ranking every week because you know this is just what people do in sports broadcasting and sports radio we're trying to be more relevant you have to have top five lists so we're gonna bring you one i have (laughs) about 10 ideas of different lists i can make here and you (laughs) nailed it you absolutely nailed it because i am assuming the purpose of said lists are to start arguments and that's exactly (laughs) what you did and i won them thank you very much (laughs) but we can move on we do still have a lot of stuff to talk about and we're going to get into our athlete of the week Oh, for some reason, I thought we had a drop for that, but we've never had a drop for that. <laughs> we've been know. talking about one. Yeah, I'm, it's what, de- we're efforting that. I don't know what, what my thoughts were on that. Okay, so yes, now it is time for our Oli Penn Real Estate Athlete of the Week, and we have three of them. And I didn't tell you guys to present any of them, so I'm just going to kind of run through a, them, and then we'll talk about these different performances, and that's what we're going to do. Sound okay? Yeah. I'm just glad you're doing it and not okay. me. 
All right, so the first athlete of the week from his basketball game on Thursday against his rival, Hoquiam Grizzlies, is Aberdeen Bobcat, Caden Siebert, or Seibert. I I can never remember which one it is. I'm sorry, Caden. But Caden had 15 points, 14 rebounds, and four blocks. He was the steady force for Aberdeen all the way through for their victory. Um, Angel Baltazar had a great game as well, but he dealt with a lot of foul trouble. And Caden stayed out of foul trouble and just dominated the paint, dominated this game um, to make sure that Aberdeen got the win. So 15 points, 14 rebounds, four blocks. Caden was the driving force for the Bobcats, getting the Myrtle Street rivalry victory there at Hoquiam on Thursday night. The next one goes to Trace Ridgeway. So we don't have to say sorry, Trace, as we usually do. (laughs) Trace had 20 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, and 1 block in their rivalry win over the Elma Eagles on Friday night at Bo Griffith Memorial Gymnasium. He had an excellent game start to finish, but he scored all 20 of his points in the first three quarters. And then in the fourth quarter, stuck more to defense and tried to get some more assists in there. Like a couple of unselfish plays, which I talked to him afterwards. I was like, man, you had 20 points, but you kind of just stopped shooting. And he was like, yeah, there was a couple where I think I might have been a little too unselfish. Mm. And he's right. And I don't think he would have said that unless without my prompting because he's too humble of a kid. But I was like, what the heck? And he was like, yeah, there was a couple because he was wide open from the elbow, which he had just been drilling shots from all night. And instead, he tried to, like, thread some passes, some tough passes down low in. So, but, yeah, excellent game. And, yeah, not just points, but 10 rebounds, four assists. Might have even had more than that, but that's what the coaches said. And Mm -hmm. some gorgeous passes on those as well. And he played great defense. Then the last one is Sherea Bryden, also in a rivalry game. She scored 19 of Hoke Williams' 38 points. And if you're good at math, you know that that is half of their points. So in a rivalry game... I am bad at math, so thank you for telling me that. (laughs) I'm bad at math, and I just knew it was a lot of points. (laughs) So in a rivalry game, she stepped up big. She scored 19 of their 38 points. Uh, She scored 14 of those in the first half, apparently, and also hit, I believe, a big shot down the stretch in the fourth quarter as well. So Sherea Bryden is been one of the driving forces for this Hoquiam girls team on, I believe, a 4-1 and one start for them as well. So it's good to see that program kind of building back up. And Shreya has been excellent on really the entire floor as well. She plays excellent defense, grabs a bunch of rebounds, and had 19 points, scoring half of her team's points in this Myrtle Street win. Yeah, so I, I've got a, uh, a thought or two on a couple of these. For Shreya, when, when you get into those battles these high school games and we see them you know from time to time where both teams end up in the 30s like Mm -hmm. buckets are hard to come by so 19 points in a game like that is like 36 points in a in a you know a normal game that's a little faster pace when Mm -hmm. the defense isn't quite as intense so that is really impressive to me seeing you scored half of your team point team's points in a win is just incredibly impressive and then to see that it's 19 like you just have to put it on the scale of like it's probably as impressive as a thirty point game in mm-hmm. a lot of scenarios. Um, with Trace, I, I think it's really interesting the way Trace plays because I, I've watched him a decent amount through his high school career, and like if you look at Trace on the basketball court, you would think, oh, that guy's gonna bang inside mm-hmm. because I mean he is tall, 
he's just so thick, you yeah. know, but but he's fast and he's strong. And you would think that this is a guy who plays inside, he plays in the paint, he cuts to the basket. Man, that kid's got great perimeter skills. Not only the ability to shoot from the outside, but the the ability to handle the ball on the perimeter, to be able to the ability to make passes from the perimeter. Um, his game, like we talked a lot about his football game and how there's not much of a hole in it. Like he's fast, he's strong, he's just about everything you need. And basketball, man, I I've been blown away by how well-rounded Trace's game is. When for someone with his physical abilities. It would probably be the easiest thing in the world to just be one-dimensional and just go inside and try to get to the basket on every play. So Trace is really impressive. Also, as you mentioned, great kid. Um, Over the years, he has continuously poured into all of the younger athletes in our area too, you know, showing up at practices for some of the younger teams when he was in high school, helping out, giving tips, giving advice, always available to the younger guys when they need some help. So I, I think Trace... Ridgeway is a, an excellent representation of Athlete of the Week for sure. And then uh, also he hit a couple of threes, mm-hmm. as you were mentioning his perimeter game. Silky smooth. I yeah. mean, you look at him and he's really pretty much the only guy with a ton of experience on mm-hmm. this varsity team. They're not a too young of a team, but experience-wise, they had a bunch of seniors that graduated last year. Right. And he was one of the few underclassmen who played a lot. So he he's taken on a huge leadership role this right. year on this basketball team as well, and so I I loved what I saw from him on on Friday night. Yeah, I mean he also has the ability to create his own shot. I mean mm-hmm. I've seen him hit step back deep twos, you know, mm-hmm. like he, he's 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 a really good player. Yeah, and then you look and we at, don't have to apologize to him. This week. Yeah, exactly. And then you look at Caden Siebert in his mm-hmm. game. I mean, it, he was by far the tallest person on the floor at about 6'6", I believe. But he is also a player who doesn't only get the job done inside. He's also got great perimeter skills as well. He stepped back and hit a three at one point. Gorgeous-looking shot. And yet, because of that, because he's not quite as as thick as like a, a Trace Ridgeway. He's more thinner. But I was worried about watching him in previous years about maybe wanting to hang around the outside more often instead of going in and doing the dirty work. And that's what I was so impressed about him in this game because he definitely has the skills to just kind of hang around outside. But he went inside. He scored tough points in the paint. He got and one opportunities. And he just absolutely dominated the glass, which Mm -hmm. is so much of what his team needed from him was to go in and dominate the paint. And that's what he did, grabbing 14 rebounds and also swatting four shots. I mean, it it was a very impressive performance for a kid who... At times, I've wondered if he was just going to be a guy who likes to sit around and shoot on the outside because he's very talented at that. But, I mean, some sort of switch flipped in him, and he just dominated the game when they, where they needed it in the paint. Well, that's great. I mean, you, 14 rebounds and four blocks in a game, you know, you don't get that without doing the dirty work. And you get bonus points for doing it in a rivalry game win. Yes, absolutely. So those are our Athletes of the Week. Our Oli Penn Real Estate Athletes of the Week is Caden Seibert. Trace Ridgeway and Sherea Bryden, all for excellent performances in rivalry games. Okay, well, let's get into our local sports roundup. Fresh with a new bed? Fresh with a new bed. We're going to try this out. We're going to see how it feels. Let's do it. Well, as previously mentioned, the Aberdeen Bobcat boys basketball team beat Hoquiam 55-43 to in a rivalry game on Thursday. Caden Siebert of Aberdeen led the game with... Uh, well, led his team at least with 15 points, 14 rebounds, and four blocks. 
Uh, in other boys basketball action, Montesano on Friday beat Elma 53 to 37. Trace Ridgeway led all scorers with 21 points on nine of 16 shooting. I had him for 20, but maybe I missed one somewhere. I just got that stat from the <laughs> Daily World. Sorry about that, Daniel. My it's bad. Okay. Uh, Hoquiam also beat Tenino on Friday, 71 to 30 on the boys' side. No wow. additional information is available. Montesano played North Beach on Saturday at North Beach and won that game, 72 to 48. Caden Lovell for the Bulldogs scored 22 points on 10 of 16 shooting. And in girls' hoops this week, Montesano took down Shelton 55-20. Ouch, that was on Thursday. Maya Young had 18 points. Paige Leishernis had 14 points and 8 steals in that one. Montesano also took down Elma 47-25. Paige Leishernis had 21 points in that one. Hoquiam beat Tenino 56-25 on Friday. No further details. Hoquiam also took down Aberdeen 38-33. And that was the game that Sharia Bryden had 19 points in. Marina Merrill had 15 points for Aberdeen. And Justin... We haven't really found any uh, headlines or stories besides yeah. high school basketball, so that's yeah. going to do it for our local sports roundup. But again, I'd like to remind everybody that if you have details or stats that you'd like us to report, we want, whether it's Little League or Legion Ball or whatever you have going on, if we have local athletes that are going out there working hard and achieving something on the field, we want to know about it, and we want to use this platform to give those kids recognition for their hard work. Absolutely. So now we're going to, oh, I see on the show sheet here, it says tease Godfather identity reveal. Well, we are going to, as I mentioned several times, share a show (laughs) secret, which has been a secret from Daniel for a long time. I don't know. We're going to reveal the identity of the Godfather. But before we do that... Does the Godfather know? I I have clearance to uh, reveal. I have permission permission to, you know, was permission? that an airplane quote <laughs> yes it was an airplane i have quote. i have permission to reveal the identity of the godfather so That's we're going to take a commercial break and we're going to come back for mailbag and then we will reveal the godfather's identity at the end of the show the team of realtors at Oli Penn real estate wish you and your family good health during this stay home stay safe time Their team has health and safety measures in place to protect you and everyone involved in the process. If you're thinking about selling your home, now is a great time. There are more buyers than available homes. Many homes are still receiving multiple offers and are selling for above asking price. OliPen Real Estate will help you put the most money possible in your pocket, in less time, without the hassle. Visit SellMyHarborHome.com to get your home market ready. The OliPen team is ready to work for you. If you heard a creaky chair, that was just me. Sorry about that. Uh, we Our show is brought to you. This is The Scrimmage. It's brought to you by Oli Penn Real Estate and the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz. Daniel, are we watching a live stream of uh, uh, Kellenick or I what's going on I missed the Kellenick here? at bat doing get local out? sports. I don't know. I'm trying to... F- well, hold on. I've got the box score up. Let's. Did we're going to do out? this in real time. In the meantime. He is 0 for 4 now, so yeah, oh. he definitely got out. Sorry. The mailbag. <laughs> yes, Send the mailbag. <laughs> Send us your stuff. In a mailbag. And we, I'm watching his at bat. We have a <laughs> bunch of really good questions here in the mailbag. We're going to tackle five of them because I think we can do all of them relatively quickly. The first one comes from Micah. Thank you, Micah, for sending us a question. Yes. Micah wants to know, how would you play first base? How would I play first base? So if you watch the Mariners games, I would play first base like Evan White plays first base. Okay. Okay. Except for I'm right-handed and he's left-handed, I believe. 
Well, you'd now have I'm not to, even sure. You'd about have that. to switch. Yeah. So the way you play first base, Micah, is you go out to first base and you stand uh, six to seven feet away from the base. Depends on what level you are, because in yeah. little league it's probably more like three, three to four yeah, feet. Three off. to four feet away. Yeah, yeah you're and right. And you're going to play in front of the base at that point. Well, yeah, when you get to bigger ball, you're going to play behind the base, right? Yes. Okay. Well, it depends on the situation okay. as well. I feel like we might be confusing things a little bit here. because <laughs> I'm just trying to respect the question. Uh, yes. Yeah, so How would you play, you go out, Well, you go out there, <laughs> and I have played first base a couple of times, and you got to make sure that you are ready for when the pitch is thrown. So you're paying attention. You're not letting somebody in the stands distract you mm-hmm. by eating a cheeseburger, and that looks really good. No, you got to really focus on the game. And you're paying attention. Yeah, Andrew would be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and as soon as the pitch is thrown, you're following the ball into the plate, and you're getting ready. You're getting down into a good athletic position, and your gloves out in front of you, and you're waiting for the ball to get hit. If it does get hit to you, awesome. Grab the ball, touch your base, you're golden. If it gets hit anywhere else, pretty much, you run to your base really quick. You go to your base first. You put your foot on it, and then you turn around and find where the ball went and get ready to catch it because somebody's going to throw you the ball. Absolutely. And you want it, whichever handed you are, left or right handed, your throwing hand, that's the foot that goes on the base. Okay. And then when the ball is thrown towards you, you never want to step off the base until the ball is in the air because you're going to use your stretch when you step forward with your glove foot. Not You don't wear a glove on your foot, but the foot that's on the same <laughs> side as your glove hand, you're going to step forward or left or right with that one based on which direction the ball is going. And you want to meet the ball at the furthest point possible and get a really good stretch in there. Yeah, Andrew, do you have anything to add to this? Yeah, how would I play first base? Mm-hmm. Not that well. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the answer to that question. See, I've played a lot of first base in slow pitch softball. Mm-hmm. I didn't play a ton of first base when I played baseball as a kid, but in slow pitch softball... I always tried to be like right in the base path of the runner so that they would have to run around me. <laughs> oh, man. Because the chances of the umpire actually calling I know obstruction some, on me were pretty low. I know somebody that broke someone's ribs doing that, I think. Really? Who? Yeah. I think you want to call was him out? Daniel's dad. It wasn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're mixing your stories oh, up. Oh, am here. I? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. He, <laughs> was, it a, was it a catcher? It was okay. <laughs> I don't want to besmirch my dad's name here. He definitely I, did. I think he deserved it. He would it. tell the story if I'm he just was saying. You he, think he would? I, I think would. he would. Okay. The way so, I remember the story, the broken ribs were deserved. Uh, kind of. So my dad in a softball game once. It was a pretty intense softball game, and he slid into second on the previous play and felt like the shortstop or second baseman, whoever it was, tagged him really hard and like gave him a shove with it as well. And so that kind of fired him up. And so the next ball gets hit into the outfield, ground ball in the outfield. And my dad at the time, just super fast, also like, very well built comes motoring around third and the poor unsuspecting pitcher was on his way to try and field a ball that I think missed the cutoff man and was brought him kind of into the base path between third and home. And my dad just absolutely motored over him, like lowered his shoulder, ran the dude over and in doing so, broke like three of his ribs so uh, and that, what, what that level isn't actually the the way i remembered it it was a either a, a 
first baseman or a second baseman that stepped into the way more than once. But so maybe I'm remembering a completely different story. Could, could be a different story. Well, he, so he's run over more than one defensive <laughs> player, and we're losing track of the I story. Don't <laughs> I don't remember the one that Andrew's talking about. Traditional so. Hargrove way would be to jump over a fielder in the field, but that's fine. Yeah. Well, um, that's if you're not upset with them, because yeah. I'm sure Jimmy's ran <laughs> well, over people. The well, context for was this, this was, was he is it high school? You said this was church league sophomore. <laughs> This was also like 30 years ago for, for, for full context. I, I understand now why you didn't specify. Yeah. And I apologize. Yep. Mr. Hargrove. The, the context of this, yes. though, the context of this, though, was when you're playing first base, you don't want to be in the way, in the way of the runner. Yeah. You want to get out of their way. Yes. Because okay. you might get run over. I'm and sorry I had to tell that story. <laughs> no, I loved it. I'm I sorry okay. I pulled it out of you. No, it's fine. It great. Okay. Um, I wish that the level... In my dad's defense, Church League softball at that time, the level he was playing at was much more competitive than it, it has been in the in, last 10 years. Immensely oh, yeah, competitive. Sure. Yeah, it was crazy. It was more competitive, I think it's been in the in 20 years. Like, it was... Probably. Probably 50 years. When <laughs> I the, the softball that I remember watching as a little kid when our parents were playing was better softball than you see it outside of like city league in the the big cities now yeah i agree but anyway so okay, that, that's question. how you play first base and but the main yeah. thing i want to say there as we're talking about it some a lot of times i see people playing first and they don't go back and get their foot on the base yes. first mm-hmm. that is a must yeah you have to do that first yeah you have to make sure it's firmly on the base, too, because if yeah. you stretch out and the back of your foot comes up off the base, that dude is safe. Yes. All right. The next question comes from Melody. Thank you so much for asking a question, Melody. She asks, what's the best cheer you know? You want to know my favorite cheer? Yeah. Ra, ra, re. Kick him in the knee. <laughs> ra, ra, ras. Kick him in the other knee. <laughs> That's my favorite cheer. That's the, the best cheer I know. You know, the one that there's two that stick out in my head from Little League that will just always be ingrained in my brain. Mm-hmm. And one is very simple. Somebody, the pitcher throws a ball and your batter doesn't swing at it. And you just give him the old G-O-O-D-Y-E, good eye, good eye, good eye. I will always be in my brain <laughs> every time somebody doesn't swing at a bad pitch. Didn't you ever do B-A-B-A-S-B-A-S-E-H-I-T, base hit. No, I never, did, I never did that one. The other one... Back which, in my day, we used to do that one. We were at an all-star tournament once, and we actually got scolded by the umpire after a bit and not allowed to do this one because our whole team, which was kind of big, but like big kids, were just getting into the pitcher's head at one point. Like We were just screaming... We are putting pressure on the pitcher and the catcher. And we were just like shouting it at this pitcher. And the kid was getting nervous. And he started throwing balls left and right. And they were walking him. And we were just like, we are putting pressure on the pitcher and the catcher. Like, Daniel's right? face is very oh, intense man. right now. We were, uh, yeah, that poor kid. I think so the, the ump told us we couldn't yell cheer, yell things at the opposing pitcher. The greatest <laughs> <laughs> the greatest We're story. We're just yelling at our base coaches. <laughs> the greatest story I have about a baseball cheer is when my son Peyton was younger. Uh, he had a coach that nicknamed him P Town Funk. Yes. And the <laughs> every time he batted, his friends would go P 
P-Town, funk you up. I said, P-Town, funk you up. And yes. they would do it really, really, really loud until the pitcher was going to throw. And then the pitcher would throw, and then the catcher would throw it back. And then they'd start it over. They did it every pitch, every time he batted for like a whole season. That's awesome. It was pretty cool. That's that legit. Is awesome. Andrew, do you have a good cheer? What's the best I, cheer you know? I was trying to think of a cheer I know. And I could really only think of, ole, ole, ole. <laughs> What was John the one Olerud? we used to have in rugby? <laughs> what was that thing we used to do in rugby? I only remember like one one line of it. The, but I was always confused because I could rugby on to victory. Yeah, that. Yeah, one. I can't repeat. Do you think oh, melody meant? Yeah, that. we can't repeat. Most do you of think that me- <laughs> Of course, it's Kugball. <laughs> do you think Melody meant Kugball? Yeah, it's, Coog, it's a rugby. Sports, other sports. Coog sports. You probably can't repeat much of what happens. I remember thinking it was worse than it was, though, because I was confused because I didn't hear the cheer well. But they said masticate, which means chew, chew right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But they rhymed it with a different word. That so okay. Do you think Melody meant? a cheer like you do in a baseball game or do you think she meant like a cheerleading cheer oh because that's what my first one was a cheerleading cheer that's true oh hey about, what about we want a pitcher not a belly that, you're not, that's not also, a cheerleading cheer that's, that's not a cheer. that's not a cheerleading cheer no, don't say no cheerleaders about, in baseball. wait hold on guys i'm equipped to handle this because i just watched bring it on last week okay <laughs> how about burr it's cold in here there must be some bulldogs in the atmosphere. It was Toros in the movie, but I can't say that. Okay. You guys don't like that cheer? That doesn't make any sense at all. Why, why would bulldogs be cold? It's cold in the atmosphere. But but don't you want your team to be hot? Listen, yeah, I didn't I write the cheer. I'm just repeating it from the movie, huh? Oh, there was the, some... I haven't seen, huh? <laughs> the movie Bring It On. There's the, oh, the Grizzly Rumble one. The Grizzly Rumble one was a good one when I was in high school. That was always kind of fun in the student section. Yeah. It was like, I, feel, I can't really... Re- I feel like, bad I now that I haven't paid very much attention to the cheerleaders and what they're cheering. Yeah. But I came up with two. You guys came well, up with there's, none. So. Well, that, the Grizzly Rumble <laughs> one was like, everybody do the Grizzly Rumble. Everybody rumble. And you'd like stomp like as you're doing it. It was pretty good. Okay, next question comes from <laughs> Ashlyn. Okay, Ashlyn, what you got? Best female softball pitcher and why? Ooh, that we know. Well, it doesn't say that. It just says it does. best female I'm, softball pitcher. Oh, yeah, you know. Okay, you yeah, know. you're right. I'm sorry. My bad. I can read. Well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Do you think she meant you know of? I hope so, because I'm not sure if I personally well, know There's been some pitchers. really good like high school pitchers Really, locally. really good, yeah. Like, Brooke Goldsmith from Elma was really good. Yeah. Um, Madison Didion from Montesano was really good. Obviously, Samantha Stanfield also from Monty was really good. She's pitching in college right now. I know Hope that's, Williams had some really I good pitchers. Yeah, that's who I was going to say was uh, the Stanfield girl who's pitching in at Central, right? Yeah, the Stanfield yeah. girl. Well, there's a lot of them. Yeah, it's Sta- so, it's Samantha. She's the one. I pitching. didn't want to mess up which yeah. one it was. So it's that's Samantha. Good. That's a good okay. call. Uh, there's one I'm thinking of. I feel of like there Hoquiam, was a but... Bailey something in Hoquiam that yeah, was really good. Yeah, Bailey. Um, oh, what was her name? Spurgeon, maybe. I think Bailey Spurgeon was I, her name. I couldn't she say was for sure. Really good. But the year that the year that Montesano won that state title with, I believe it was with Madison as their pitcher, their Elma or uh, Hoquiam also had a really good pitcher that season as well. I can't remember who it was for sure. But let's say that for the sake of argument, Ashlyn wanted to know like all time best softball pitchers. Who do you got? <laughs> 
I don't know. You don't know? No. Who do you got? I mean, I got a few right off the bat. How about Cat Osterman? Okay. Oh, yeah, really. For sure. I mean, Cat Osterman is a three-time NCAA Player of the Year. That's awesome. She also won the Honda Award in back-to-back years and tallied 2,265 strikeouts in her career. Holy cow. She holds the record for N- in the NCAA for strikeout ratio. So that's pretty cool. Um, I mean, there's been some other really great ones. I think probably the most famous one is Jenny Finch. Uh, Jenny Finch went 32-0 yeah. and 0 for Arizona, and I believe she won back-to-back Honda Awards, which I'm going to say is probably like for the best player in the country. And she holds the record for best winning percentage and for most consecutive wins in a season. So that's pretty great. There also was a really great pitcher uh, from UCLA in the early 90s named Lisa Fernandez. But, you know, we don't need to go into all that. There's some really, really great examples of, uh, of really dominant pitchers. Yeah, I know that when you have a dominant pitcher yeah. in, in fast pitch, holy cow. I mean, also, they can pitch, like, all the time. Yes. Which is just awesome. So if you get a really good pitcher, it is so hard to hit because it's closer to the – the mound is closer. And that was actually another point in the whole fixing baseball thing is fast pitch. The pitchers got so good that they moved the mound back in upper-level fast pitch. So that was another thing because if you have a pitcher who's so darn good, which a lot of – really good fast pitch teams have they had to figure out a way to let people be able to hit it i think uh ashlyn's next question is also pretty well on topic here she wants to know is sis Bates the best female shortstop ever daniel your thoughts yes i really i don't know I megan really, Choate was pretty good megan Choate <laughs> was pretty good she pretty much rewrote montesano's uh record book i i know who the best female soft best female shortstop I've ever played with was and that's Ariel Ariel Burnett yeah she's pretty awesome she's probably also the best shortstop I've ever played with no (laughs) offense Daniel what about no offense Ryan oh he knows he knows I told him that to his face that's true but (laughs) Katie Grandstrom was also really good when she played for our church team Mm -hmm. last year yeah yeah. Another this is player. definitely, uh, you know, church league softball is the best way to determine who the best shortstops are. Ariel yeah. wasn't playing yeah. church league with us. She oh, was Cohen. playing city league. Sorry, yeah. my bad. Yeah, got that one wrong. But let's examine. She for also a moment played for Lower Columbia. But. What Sis Bates or her first name is Nicole. Sis is her nickname. Uh, nickname. Okay. So let's examine for a moment what her accomplishments were because they're pretty amazing. She was a All American first team three times. She was the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year twice. Did she, she play, play for? for UW? Yeah, she played for UW. I hate her. Sorry, I should have started with that. She was yeah. a she was a husky. Terrible. She was a husky. Boo. Uh, she <laughs> she was the Seattle Female Sports Star of the Year. She was All Pac-12 First Team. She was uh, NCAA All Region First Team, Pac-12 All Defensive Team, USA Softball Collegiate Player of the Year. Wow. Um, and she was a at All academic honorable mention twice but the greatest accomplishment on her resume is when espn came out with a list of the greatest um, collegiate softball players of all time she was literally named espn's greatest softball shortstop of all time well, in there collegiate you go. softball so i'm gonna say That's awesome although there are probably several other really good options ashlyn yes i'm gonna say nicole bates otherwise known as sis bates is the best shortstop ever i agree that's a great one Last Thank question. you so much, Ashlyn. Yeah, those are really good questions. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. Uh, and last question we're going to take. This is a controversial topic. This one comes from Kurt. Yeah, there's a right answer and wrong answers. 
<laughs> I actually don't. I don't think there's a wrong answer to this there's one. But a there's wrong an answer. answer that's more right than the others. <laughs> there's a wrong answer. This one. In cor- fact, that answer is wrong. Cor- <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to our current climate these days. Kurt wants to know: orange juice, pulp or no pulp? Daniel. Okay, this one is tough for me. I like pulp, but I totally get it for people who don't want to chew their orange juice. And I don't mind no pulp orange juice. If you don't want to chew your orange juice, drink a different kind of juice. (laughs) Okay, Andrew. Orange juice has pulp in it. What about all the other kinds of juice that just... Don't get the little chunkies that you normally would if they were actually real juice, like apple juice. I'm sure that there's like actual apple things that get through in an actual juice that's made, but it gets taken out. Then you could say, hey, why don't you just drink a different kind of juice? And then you're like, well, wait, apple juice, if it was at its best form. what apple cider? Yeah. That's just squeezed apples. Okay, so then you can't, wait. There's little bits like of the grains in it if you're just doing juice that way and like every type of juice okay, you could so do. If you wanna, we're just not if you used to make... having it all filtered. Like, but orange juice, we're they so left. Coddled. Orange juice is the only one they leave it in. Everything else has materials left by. So orange juice is the only one that's not filtered. I did not. Sometimes I cannot accurately predict the things that are going to really get Daniel going. Like, he's engaged in this. Well, it was because Andrew said drink Orange a different juice. kind of juice. Yeah, drink a different kind of juice if you don't want pulp. But drink a type of juice without pulp. Orange juice is the only juice that has an option of not being filtered. Orange juice is the only one that has an option of... Actually, I've had apple juice that is that is like... It has all the... It feels a little thicker and it yeah. has some kind of like... Yeah, it's apple that, cider. No, like apple juice. Like natural apple juice. I've had it before. It comes in a jug. You can it's buy it at the store. It's really good, It's going to be called cider, it, though. But when you buy apple juice, like what people call apple juice, it doesn't really taste like apples. No. If you buy the real apple juice, it yeah. tastes like you're it's literally it's mostly drinking pear an juice. apple. It's mostly pear juice if you just buy apple juice. Really? Yeah. Why? Because it's sweeter. Yeah. Oh, I like the natural apple juice I know. Juice me better. too. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like, if you like natural orange juice, then you want the pulp in it. But to say drink a different type of juice, that's just because... Grape juice isn't going to... No- like, you don't... Like, it, it would take extra processing to put pulp into... To put grape pulp into Grape the juice is grape a good juice. argument. But uh, every other type of juice, they're filtering like, it to get chunks out of there. It would take extra extra f- no, stuff to, yeah cuz cuz the chunks settle out of apple juice if you if you just le- if you just leave the, the cider pulp settles out of orange juice Not you have to shake used, it up to get it you know how like, they have those even. juicers that are like a bowl and then there's like a round thing that sits on top and you just turn yeah. the orange over it yeah. if you do that it actually takes a lot of the pulp out right but it doesn't like, take it all the pulp out it squeezes the juice there's and you get a little pulp. bit of pulp see here's my thing I want so much pulp. I want you to squeeze 20 oranges, filter the pulp out of 10 of them, and put them in with the other ones. I want so much pulp that it's like I'm drinking a smoothie. I'm, I love pulp. Love it. I agree with you, but I'm not going to complain if people just like normal orange juice. But orange juice and lemonade have pulp in them. If they don't have pulp in them, then I think they're probably fake. Makes yeah. sense. Fake that's, juice is sometimes That's all good. I'm saying. Fake juice is sometimes good. Ooh, I oh, I don't know. I'm surprised fake juice isn't too sweet for you. I water it down. 
Understandable. If I drink apple juice, I'm putting half. Do you water down your Gatorade now? 100% always. Dude. Half Gatorade, half water. How old are we? You know why I started doing that? I never, it never occurred to me to do that until we did it at Hoop Fest when we were playing basketball in 110 degree weather. And we did it there because you can't. There's like a point where there's too much electrolytes. Yeah. So it's better for you to water it down halfway. Ever since then, 100% every single time I'm half water, half Gatorade. Same here. Yeah. Sometimes I, I'll even go like I drink the first half water. of pure Gatorade and then I fill it up with water. Cause. That's understandable. Because <laughs> you don't, you have to go through the process of finding an empty bottle, dumping out half of it. Not for it me. See, so with me, no, we usually if I drink Gatorade, I'm working and I always have this trusty cup with me that you can't Ooh. see if you're only listening to the podcast. And we're probably not making a video of this, but no. it's a big metal coffee cup. So I take this with me, buy the Gatorade bottle, half fill it with water. Boom, boom, bada bing, bada boom, bam, boom, bada bow, bow, bow. Be bow. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I was not expecting to get so angry. Really, no reason for me to get so angry arguing about juice. Sometimes you like to get angry being wrong. That's true. You know what? (laughs) If you can't get angry being wrong, then I'm not sure if you can live in this world anymore. That's why we have great lists like Justin's Weekly Power Ranking. I'm happy to share those things with the general public. And coming up... General public. Now we've reached... The moment Daniel the has moment. been waiting oh, yeah. for the entire show. I was about ready show. to wrap the oh. show up. Are you on pins and needles? Yes. I'm actually pretty surprised that you don't know. Why would I know? The Godfather is Marlon Brando. He plays Don Corleone or whatever his name is in The Godfather. And I'm shocked that you hadn't been able to figure this out till this moment. The Godfather is Marlon Brando. Dude, do you even look on Google? You're a terrible human. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Are you really gonna just say it's Marlon Brando? Which are you not gonna tell me? Oh, did you mean? Did you mean? Were you thinking about the Godfather that sometimes sends us questions? Yes. Oh no, I was gonna reveal who the Godfather from the old movie was. It was Marlon Brando. Oh, is that helpful? Revolution for you? (laughs) A revolution or a revelation? Was that a helpful revulsion for you? No. <laughs> He's going to start a revolution. Yeah. <laughs> I think he just resolved to. I'm going to replace you with Braden. <laughs> Man, Great, I'm going to have, have two new shows to produce. Yep. Justin and Braden and Daniel and Braden. <laughs> Hang on a second, though. Let's say, just for example, and Braden is way too, like, he's too important and credible to be in my seat. Like he, this being in my seat would be beneath him. Really, he has his own podcast. They do a great job. He's way more informed on like real sports things than than either of us are than for the most part. Pulp or no pulp. Yeah, I don't think. But we're better equipped to handle those kind of questions. That's true. But could you imagine <laughs> if Braden took over my seat? How much instantly more credible this show would be? Daniel would never be unstumped again. We could have real credibility if he did do that, but it's not happening. No. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Braden. I do think I've I've had this kind of like a dream in my head that like we could start some kind of a podcast battle with Braden and Bryce on the Gridiron podcast, and like we make fun of them on our podcast, and then they make fun of us on their podcast. But that won't happen because they, they do like serious sports opinions and takes, and and they reporting. don't listen to our podcast. Um. Well, Braden does. Oh. Braden does? Not all the time. Okay. 
That's surprising. But I listen people to Braden. Listen. You know what? I listen to Braden's podcast every single gosh darn week. So nice. It kind of hurts my feelings a little bit that he doesn't listen to ours every Come week. Come on, Braden. Come on, Braden. <laughs> well, this has been the scrimmage brought to you by. Wait, Ol- are you serious? Yeah, you're such a. This punk. has been the scrimmage <laughs> brought to you by Oli Pen Real Estate and the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz. This is my co-host. He looks dejected. His name is Dan Smoking Hot Take Hargrove. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Justin Bibbity Bop Bop Bow Domashevitz. We also have our trusty producer, Andrew. Drink another kind of juice! Gross here with us. You've been listening to the scrimmage. I loathe you. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised that you had got permission to reveal who the Godfather was. And now I understand how you got that permission. I just had to ask Marlon Brando. Yeah, from, <laughs> just had to go to IMDb. <laughs> I did that. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> <laughs>